Well, <laughs> it's it's confusion. Sounds like a cool website. Hey, this is. So what are you doing? You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio. Who, me? You want me to get started already? Come on now. Ed, you go hey, right everybody, ahead, buddy. He's, Al's still talking. He just wants to talk. Do you yeah. want to talk? No, you go ahead, buddy. You can, sure. you, you can talk because we love you. I'll, right. produ- I'll rap everybody produces this show. The higher, Thank you. The higher state. The hey, higher everybody, state. and welcome to this awesome special edition of The Higher Estate. My name is Dr. Ira Price. I'm joined today by some really cool people, some really awesome friends, family, in fact. Um, first, we have Tyler sitting over here. He'll be co-hosting with me today. So, hello, hello. What's up? You all right? I'm doing good. Sore back, but that's about it. You were sick this week? Yeah, I was sick on Sunday and Monday. I had the flu. That's why <sighs> my back's sore. It's throwing up so hard, my back threw out. Really? Still there. Yeah. Did you stop using cannabis? I didn't use cannabis for those two days because I wasn't <coughs> capable of using it. Couldn't even vaporize my... I, was I never even stopped. Day. I never stopped. I've been using my shatterizer the whole time. So, um, we got Tyler who's been sick. We got me who's been sick, and we have Al Rap who's sick, uh, sitting at sitting at home sick, and we're yeah. awesome lucky that he can produce this from the comfort of his own house, or wherever he is. Maybe he's in a studio. I don't know. He's not here. No, uh, I'm not there. So we, we miss you. <laughs> come back you, here Anna. soon. Okay. And then and and, <laughs> and then we have you know at uh, we have our first guest who's here today, and he's. He's an awesome human, and I'm going to talk. We're going to talk a lot with him, and he's family. His name is Dimitri Furman. Hey, and can you can you hear us all the way over there? I can. Here, oh, I know. Oh, that's, I meant the other way. Here, let's put this closer to you. Thanks. And we're going to talk talk to Dima about. Uh, he's a military Canadian military vet, and uh, we're going to get his get us get his story because he uh, he experienced some injustice. And uh, then we're going to talk to Jack Lloyd as well. Awesome. I love and, Jack. Yeah. I mean, if he ever answers his phone, that guy's kind of busy. Yeah. But busy first, boy. let's get let's get uh, let's get a couple things out of the way here. Um, there's some news that you've all probably heard by now. Read it on the Newswire on the Canadian Newswire. It's been out for, uh, I guess, since Monday. Um, Epic Evergreen Pacific Insurance Corporation has purchased the majority of has closed the deal and purchased the majority of shares in Synergy Health Services which means they now are running the show here i mean i'm st- I, nothing really changes the truth is we're i'm still i'm the medical director nothing changes for our patients except that they're going to get enhanced benefits packages um, that they're going to be able to uh, to be a part of so uh, and that's going to be rolled out over time. Initially, we're going to start off with coverage of cannabis uh, for patients who um, who want to, who are looking for coverage. Uh, but then there's also uh, we have this whole ecosystem. Basically, I look at it like uh, like CAA. Uh, we have an, we have a not for profit organization called AHOC that takes over the front space here, and um, where we have our exploration center, which Tyler's going to be running here out of Hamilton or Burlington, depending on which awesome. one he decides. Stay around in. Uh, AHOC is the Alternative Health Association of Canada, 
and it's a not-for-profit. When you become a member of it, which is free, then you have access to all the benefits, and you also have access to uh, BuyWell Plus, which is uh, which is an online e-commerce space, and it, and you get to join that for free as well, where you have access to all these natural health products, um, different services, and that's where you'll also be able to. It'll be a whole highway to purchase your cannabis uh, for medical purposes and have coverage and benefits for all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's a really awesome, awesome adventure. I'm really excited for the future. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but it's going to, I mean, I do. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be expanding. Uh, so stay tuned to listen to, you know, and listen for more, uh, whatever, updates as they come. Uh, also, so what else? The Lift Awards are coming up. There's two days left to vote. Hold on. I'm taking a drink of kombucha. Mm. See, I'm sick, so I got to drink a lot. Um, not alcohol. I wonder, though. Uh, anyway, so um, the Lift Awards are coming up at the end of November, November. Uh, but there's two days left. Yeah? Two days to vote. Go vote for Synergy Health Services as the best clinic in Ontario, and go vote for Ira himself as well. I'm not for, on there. You're on there, are you not? I don't think so. Oh, maybe that was a different award then. Yeah, it was. Being nominated for right. I, that was for Hamilton. Ah, yeah. I see. Go vote for that one, too. I think that one's done. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I have no idea, to be honest, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, we, we do what we do, and we don't do it for the votes. We do it for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have? Anything Anything else happened in the news this week? We had a mayor, 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 mayorial. Mayoral. Mayoral. Well, like, like it sounds elect- sexual. <laughs> mayoral. Mayoral. <laughs> it does. Who who won Hamilton? I guess uh, I have no idea. Freddie Eisenberger. So uh, I'm pretty sure he did. I know John uh, Tory run in, went again in Toronto. Yeah, but I think because people really wanted that LRT here, I'm not into it that much. It's going to just call what what Dima? What do you got to say about the mayors of this place? Don't know. I haven't been here. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> okay. So yeah, no, I um. I think that's who won our place. And then Brown, Patrick Brown won Brampton, yep. which is which is great as well. So, uh, you know, it's a whole lot a whole, whole lot happening here. LRT's happening. It, oh, that was good because that's why he was put in. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he won again. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Okay, so that's all I really got to say about that. I want to introduce everybody to uh, Dimitri Furman. <clears throat> Dimitri and I go back to 2002 when I first moved to uh, to Hamilton from from Toronto when I started medical school. It was 2001, 2002, something like that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I was uh, you know I trained martial arts pretty much my whole life, uh, and then there was one style that I always wanted to uh, train. It's not even a style; it's more of a life. And uh, <clears throat> and out of like which and it was called Sistema, which is a Russian martial art. And uh, when I, you know, because I had some friends in Toronto that uh, that tr- trained it with Vladimir Vasiliev, uh, and when he came back late '80s, I guess when he came here was it late '80s? Early '90s. <coughs> Early '90s that he came. We, at the time, we were training with uh, what was that? Moni Isaac at the J- Jewish Community Center, JCC in Toronto, <laughs> and we were 
this Israeli martial art thing. At least that's what he called it. Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Yeah, Krav Maga. Yeah. This was back like late mid eighties. I don't even think it was called Krav Maga yet. Um, and wow. then, but I'd always trained all these different styles. And then there was one style I really wanted to train because it's just insane. Uh, it's an amazing style. It's actually a very fluid style of uh, of training and. Uh, it has some basic concepts, and the rest you sort of go learn as uh, you learn as you go. And it's um, it not just uh, a matter of uh, of self defense, but it's also a full life. And it was a, it's a great workout, and the people are amazing, and uh, somewhat psychotic, but uh, but really amazing people. You know when you you know there's people that feel really bad when you when they hurt you, and they sort of yeah. like make this mean face. The sistema is like, it's this Russian style, and it's all it's all done with a smile. So like your uh-huh. your opponent, it's not even an opponent. I don't know what it is. It's like a nobody. It's like a fly on the ground, and uh, and you do it with a smile. So you're like killing people with smiles on it. It's a very psychotic way of 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 training. I guess because in Russia you have billions. Of you have billions of people you can afford to lose a few you win some you lose some it's okay no one really cares you move on it's you know it's funny Dima you could comment on this I haven't even got to how this relates yet but I will Uh, the difference (laughs) I know the difference between Krav Maga and Sistema is they're totally opposite with the same with the same outcome when you look at the different places that these two martial arts were invented let's say one was israel and one is is russia you have to look at the environment krav maga is a very overwhelm 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 don't let up don't let up don't let up dead right and if you look at it you've got five million people people surrounded by 500 million people who just want you dead so you've got to overwhelm 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 Mm -hmm. Let's look at Russia on the other hand. You have 500 million people. You can afford to lose a few. It's okay. Sometimes you win. Sometimes everything you do is with a smile. It's okay. You can, you know, and it's, you don't have to be so intense and you can be soft and you sort of, you do it when no one's looking and, or, and you don't know how you ended up on the ground. You know, you don't, uh, yeah. As Vladimir used to say, what does it matter if you know how to fight? I'm going to hate you from behind. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, so it, like it doesn't it, – it, it's interesting. So it's, it's the, the style was totally different. Anyways, so it was always a style that I wanted to, I wanted to train. It's very fluid. I kind of you know, look at it like um, if you can think of um, ta- combat tai chi meets aikido. <laughs> Uh, wow. with, yeah, with a little bit of drunken monkey in there, a little bit jujitsu, <laughs> a little bit of everything put together. That's sort of what it looks like. And if you can use your arms like whips, you're good. I so, studied old school bouncer in Toronto. <laughs> 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 I smiled I'm at you when I threw you out the door. Grab and throw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah grab yeah. and throw. Yeah. I studied the grab and throw. Take it and go. Yeah. Um, so. The, so let me go back to 2002. I show up and I'm actually go to synagogue. Of course, back then it was my religious days. And uh, <clears throat> lo and behold, in the gym of all places of this synagogue, they had a school in the back. On Monday, Wednesdays, Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, we even trained three times a week. I can't even remember what days they were anymore. Uh, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. It was three days, three times a week. Go figure. I show up. And they're teaching Sistema. Like of all places in the world, this small place of Hamilton, which I knew nothing about, has a Sistema class. And who's instructing the class? None other than Dimitri Furman. So Dima was my instructor for the first decade that I studied. Oh, I don't know. I was there till let's say, what, 2008 at least? Does it, maybe 2008, 2009? How long did uh, we? Eight. 
2000. I mean, eventually we started training and teaching, and we were doing it in different locations. But we were in in the in the Jewish like school thing. And it was great because you'd see like a bunch of hooligans hanging outside, ready to come in, and we would like I, throw each other downstairs. We were doing like we'd do some that's weird funny, training. Ira, because I I did community service at the JCC uh, at Bathurst and uh, uh, Bathurst and Bloor, and uh, I saw a lot of guys coming in and doing that shit in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, so we we were so I was training there three times a week yeah. for for years. And uh, Sistema became a big part of my life. Dimitri and I became very close and good friends. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then he took off to uh, to join the military. Um, he joined the military. I don't know somewhere around that time. Two thousand seven. Uh, yeah, two thousand. But you came back even after that. I remember because yeah. we weren't training. We stopped training in the Jace, in the in the Jewish school place. Eventually, we went. The, actually, the place right after that was in Burlington at that. Mm-hmm. At that Taekwondo mm-hmm. person, I'm the national champion of Taekwondo. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Anyway, um, not to knock Taekwondo. I mean, they've got great, great kicks, great legs, quick feet, all that business. Are you talking um, about John Park? No, 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 not actually. Naz, my wife, trained there for at John Park. She got her second degree black belt would, there. Yeah. Oh, cool. When she was uh, uh, a, a youngin. Um, no, he's up in Hamilton. Uh, this was a place in Burlington. Doesn't matter. Anyways. Point being, this guy joined the military, he came back, was training still a little bit, and then, I don't know, joined, like, did some artillery, like Gonzo. He, the guy took off special, who knows what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> I, I've been looking, you know, listening to uh, actually a, a friend of ours. Um, every so often I inquire, how's Dima doing? And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden I stop hearing any news, <clears throat> and then I get sent a news article. And uh, it was in the Globe and Mail, and uh, and that's what we're here to chat about today. We're not going to talk about it, you know. We're going to s- stick to the story. I think it's important that we talk about facts, and we don't talk about anything around that. And we talk about how one not only is a military vet, but how there is still such stigma and bias around cannabis. And not just in Canada, but around the world and in the United States. And we're not here to point fingers and blame countries and blame it. We're looking for solutions. And if we can help in any way, because Dimitri has a wife who's in the United States. And uh, we're going to he's going to going to get back there. Uh, But if we can if we can help. uh, What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Tyler, not justify, like help uh, facilitate. facilitate. Yeah, or facilitate's a good word. Facilitate discussion, meaningful discussion on what change needs could happen and needs to happen, so that that stigma and ed, and education around that, so that we so that we can help people like Dimitri. And I'm sure he's not the only person. This happens all the time. And but it but this time it's a little special because he's a military veteran and and instead of like we should instead of giving him medals we're sticking people in in jail it doesn't make sense to me no, at all doesn't make so sense Dimitri, to me. welcome to welcome to the higher estate podcast <laughs> thank you very much the irony of that uh, of your story about how we met when I was first incarcerated by ICE and ICE stands for uh, Immigration Custom Enforcement. 
when I was first incarcerated by ICE, the uh, gentleman, um, after processing me in, came back into my cell, and we had a conversation of about 20 minutes about Sistema. He really had a lot of questions and wanted to know quite a bit about it. And, uh, yeah, so we had a, at least a 20-minute discussion, and it wasn't a discussion between, uh, you know, an, an official of uh, ICE and a detainee. It was a discussion of a couple of peers because he was also a martial artist and heavily involved in that. So it's uh, kind of ironic. But you, Well, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you are one of the, you know, top martial artists when it comes to Sistema in the world. Not anymore, no. Well, you, Ali, you were. Yeah, uh, there's been a, a few people, more than a few people, who have who have gone beyond uh, what I could have imagined of attaining. But right. that's evolution, and, and that's the yeah, way of it course. Should be. Yeah, 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 I agree. That's mm-hmm. what happens. You know, at, you, at my t- during my time, you're an old man now. Yeah, I'm. A, I say this quite often. I'm a broken little old man. Well, you did. Tra- you just showed me photos of you training, training last, training last year. Yeah, no, as early. Yes, that's right. As early as uh, three months ago, I was four months ago. I was heavily involved in training, trying to get back into competition. But yeah. And so, did you did you compete last year? Um, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments, two of them, yeah. How'd that go? Um, Come on, how'd it go? <laughs> uh, one I placed third, and one I won. I think, if I remember correctly. Really? So, anyway. so you're so you went from Sistema over to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or you were already? Yeah, but, uh, honestly, there were the areas uh, that, that I had lived in. Uh, they had no Sistema schools, and it's not that I stopped training Sistema completely. Uh, I actually had a number of private clients and a number of people who, after they discovered who I was, come to me to train Sistema specifically. So let me ask you a question because we go through this all the time. We're, we're going to eventually get to why you're here, but this is this is more interesting for me now. I mean, it's all very interesting. <laughs> okay. Let's talk. Let's talk Sistema. So people talk about Sistema because mm-hmm. you know you can see a lot of soft Sistema training. Mm-hmm. It looks like they mm-hmm. don't know really what they're doing. We never trained like that. And you go to, you know, Vlad school, we don't, I mean, you're getting hit. You're getting hit hard. But let's talk about things like Sistema versus uh, – you can't really compare them. But no. I get a lot of JITS guys coming in saying, eh. It's two different, completely different styles and, and um, mindsets. And uh, ultimately what, what determines what how the training is going to go is to what end, to what purpose you're training. If you're training for a competition, it's one form, one, one right. way of version of uh, uh, training. Uh, Sistema has no competition. There is there is no way of testing it. Uh, in essence, um, it's just a different way of training. It's a different mindset. Um, Sistema, like you, were, you kept saying, it's a lifestyle. It's yeah. not a style. It is a lifestyle. Right. Uh, it did uh, help me in many a situations and going as far back as uh, Afghanistan. It it allowed me to when I'm going to say deal with a few situations that I might have not have been managed to deal with this as well as I did. Um, there's one particular moment that comes to mind where we were being shot at and I got caught in the middle of a road and bullets went flying and um, I froze. In my mind's eye, I had hit the ground and I was you know, trying to become a groundhog, go, trying to go deep into the dirt to avoid being shot. In the reality of the situation, I was standing, well, I managed to kneel down. But I was kneeling in the middle of a road wide open and just breathing. And that's the only reason why I managed to keep my, um, my, my composure, I guess. And I was able to uh, effectively deal with the threat. Now, that being uh, said, somebody afterwards walks up to me and goes, oh, you're, um, what he said, you're like terminated, you're fearless. 
<laughs> I, I giggled and, and you know didn't didn't reply. I just walked away. But uh, what I didn't want him to under, uh, to realize or know is that I practically peed myself. And the only reason I didn't pee myself is because Sistema it reminded me to stay relaxed, just keep breathing, move, and keep right. your form. And yeah, those are the principles. Yeah, those are the principles. And I was able to breathe, uh-huh. and that kept my my mind in the situation, and the, the training kicked in, and I I did what I was trained to do. But uh, had not been for that uh, previous ten years of Sistema training, I don't think um, any of my military military training would have have helped me deal with the situation that I had dealt with the way it happened or the way I did. Deal so do you with think it. Sistema, do you think for military vets now that are suffering from things like PTSD and, you know, they you come back and <clears throat> I mean, you just, even the other day you told me, you know, you tell me a story, you're, you can stare at somebody and just be like, mm, I'm going to snap your jaw right now, yeah. you know, and like, but, or, or I'm not and that restraint and, and the, you know, the principles that you mentioned, breathe, relax, move and, Maintain form. form. Yep. Um, I remember one other one, which was evade contact without losing contact. But that was not a print. It was just a thing. Yeah, yeah. And remember yeah. that anyway. So um, the but keeping those principles. Do you think that you know vets coming back now from from you know theater or from Afghan from any war wherever they are, any military veteran around the world? Do you think Sistema could be helpful for them? Uh, absolutely. And honestly, any type of physical activity will be helpful for them. The the it happened to me also when I first came back. I became sedentary, and I locked myself into into my uh, room. And I, you know, not that I was doing anything other than staring at the four walls at any given time. But yeah, it, movement of any kind will help everyone. It doesn't even matter, you know, whether you experience combat or whether. The point being is that reintegration back into society uh, after leaving the military service. Uh, you feel completely cast in a dri- uh, alone, cast in a drift aside, um, cast aside in a drift. God, I my head's getting ahead of me. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I don't know what the fuck it means. I'm gonna just start putting some money in this damn box. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, let me just prepay ten bucks and I'll cover my first half hour. But uh, yeah, what I'm gonna say, it's not just sistema; it's any kind of physical activity. I found that I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I um, grappling has always been my first love. And I found that that helped me. Uh, and I found that I also, while I was still in the military after Afghanistan, I'm, I did the military Ironman. And then I proceeded to have four MMA fights. Uh, I don't believe I actually got And to- you weren't, by the way, 24 years old when you were doing this. No, I was in my 40s. <laughs> yeah. So if you like, by the way, Dimitri's not a young man over. I mean, he's, it looks like a young man, but the dude's in his mid 40s. Uh, 47. Yeah, so, like, anyway. you're talking about a guy that's still competing against 25 yeah, year olds. Yeah, it, it was cathartic for me, uh, and yeah. that's and I'm that's why I say everyone should do something. It was cathartic, and uh, while I I'm I don't remember exactly how much I weighed after Afghanistan, but I know that in order to get to my competition weight, I had some very heavy or very long and arduous uh, weight cuts. But the point being is that I finally got out of my room. I finally got active and. Um, all the medications I was on didn't help, but finally got off the medications, and that was my uh, therapy, and that was my way of getting through uh, everything. Um, and I like to say, my center has always been martial arts uh, in whatever stage, whatever part of my life I was involved in. So, so you joined the military two thousand and seven. Uh, well, I joined the reserves in two thousand and five, and that's my second time in the reserves. But anyway, uh, first time was in 89, 90. Um, 
second time I joined the reserves in 2005, and in, uh, that was while I was uh, still trying to get my uh, my second degree. After I finished uh, university at York, I managed. Uh, then I applied for a, comp- uh, uh, a component transfer from the reserves to Reg Force. Um, got in finally in 2007, and on winter of 2000, November 2007, and then I finally went in. Got sent off to uh, Gagetown for uh, um, cap and uh, trades training, my artillery officer training, all the uh, all the stuff like that. And that's why I was gone for almost uh, two you, years. You were gone for a while. And when did you go to Afghanistan? Uh, 2009. Wow. Okay. And so you come back from uh, – so you go to Afghanistan, see a whole bunch of – I mean it's horrible, obviously. And um, you come back and – what happened? What happened between then and now that what like you, you were living in the U.S.? Well, uh, I'm, I'm or my, no, you were here in Canada. I was here Let's in Canada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I met my wife uh, during one of a during workup training. Uh, uh, you know, we crossed paths. It was just completely incidental. Uh, and then uh, after Afghanistan, I had I was starting to experience some serious issues, and I completely by accident came across. Uh, this military support group, uh, known we call it at that time was MMA. Now it's MMI, MMI, Military Minds Incorporated. Um, started by this guy named Chris Dupuis of the Three RCR. And yeah, we know him. I think he started. Uh, that's yeah, the guy out. Chris, yeah, okay. yeah, we know Chris. So I came across uh, a picture of his, and the irony is that it was a picture I took of my fire team partner asleep with his using a uh, manhole cover as a pillow. And he used photo? He used that photo. Yeah. I, I have no idea how that photo made it to him. All I know is I know I took that picture because my boot is by the guy, is by my fire team's partner. And I was just sitting there. And my fire team partner at this time, he was a techie. And this was kind of, I guess, the, the first introduction of, uh, um, uh, I'm going to say, uh, cell phone cameras and the first smartphones. And so I remember he was... We were on our way to an exercise. It was 5 a.m. We were, we were, all, we were just waiting to get loaded up onto uh, vehicles. And he fell asleep with his head on a manhole, co- on a, on a manhole cover. So, oh. I, I, so I picked up his uh, digital camera uh, slash cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture of, his, uh, of him uh, sleeping on there because I thought it was just funny. And that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to break in for I, a second. I, I, I have mind. no idea. How Who's, did he claim it? He claim, I, didn't no, claim it. I don't it know. I, I have no idea. But all I know is that one day I'm sitting at my computer and this picture comes across a news feed and it says infantry where everything can be used as a pillow. <laughs> and I, and I, so, I, so I I email this guy and uh, anyway, this website. Uh, I email him. I'm like, hey, that's a picture I took. That's a funny caption, a great meme, uh, whatever, right? Yeah. You know, and I didn't know what the word meme meant until my wife told me like a month yeah. ago. <laughs> I, what the fuck is I a pronounced meme? it. I've been okay, pronouncing it wrong ever since it came out. My kid has corrected me on that. I'm going to have to break in for a sec because Jack is ready for a call. Um, oh, okay. hold! But I'm not ready for. Wait, is he there now? Did you call? Yeah, him? Yeah, he said call him whenever you're ready. So. So Just, no, I'm not. Yep. Can, we'll call him in a bit. I'd like okay. to still. Can, we're okay. gonna get. I, I've Go got ahead. lots. We got lots to talk about. I'll call Jack when we're ready. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. So where was I? Okay. So uh, that's. So I get into Jack's this. gonna have some answers for us later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I get into this. Uh, I start talking with Chris, and uh, Chris uh, invites me into this closed group, of, and this group uh, is has been uh, a lifesaver at, at times, and. 
Um, my wife was a member of this group, uh, and she has a very unique uh, um, story how she got into there as well. But all she said to me was, hey, hello, how are you? That's all they need to say. Yeah, huh? that's all they need to say. Down. Down. <laughs> and, 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 and I clicked on her picture. I'm like, wait a second. I know you. Oh, really? <laughs> and I, so I answer her, and I'm like, they don't mean to sound corny, but haven't we met before? Really? <laughs> like, this is not a pickup line. And she goes, oh, that's a hug. Oh. And I said, oh, I just groped your butt. Oh, that's <laughs> – Oh, jeez. We don't need to know that's anymore true. about that. <laughs> so okay, that's how we Trump. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you – right. So you – Fast forward about yeah. – uh, fast forward uh, to 2014 – I'm on my way out. Uh, this is a April, Mar- um, March, of 2014. Where are you now? I'm still. I, I'm. I'm back in Petawawa. I'm. Uh, I'm releasing, medically released, and so I. Um, I I contact my wife and I said, "Hey, ready or not, here I come." Wow. And so I I applied. Uh, got my got myself a, um, a permission to enter the U.S. Uh, entered the U.S. Uh, for the third time uh, on this thing called a humanitarian parole waiver. And I told them I was planning on staying and applying for my uh, green card. And, um, yeah, they let me in. I got in. Uh, we got married in 2000, September 14, 2014. Um, I uh, thought everything was going fine. Yeah, started my application. Everything was going copacetic, right. hunky-dory, and yeah, uh, yeah. whatever. So what ended? So okay, so everything's going all right. 2014, you get married. They say you've been into the states. It's not like they don't know who you are now. Correct. No issue. Following, I'm following all rules, all regulations, <laughs> all um, um, all um. What's the wife called? saying? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut up! I shut up! Know. Shut up! No, wait, no. Is that good? Are we good? We good? Uh, don't worry. <laughs> Wait, is that is that your wife? I want to know what she's saying. Can we hear? No, don't say it. So you're 2000. Uh, just to let you know what's happening, Dima's getting texted by his wife <laughs> and saying, "Shut up, shut up, shut up." Yes, so, you're right. honey, you're right. We were seeing each other long before I moved oh. to the U.S. Oh, is that what she just <laughs> <Yeah>. said? <laughs> Can you call in, please? Oh, that'd be amazing. I can't wait to hear yeah. it. Oh, listen, I'm sure she's an amazing human. Uh, yeah, she okay. is. Honestly, put up with me. She is. Look at, but she had to correct that one little thing. Huh? We were seeing each other. We started seeing each other in 2012. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I had been to the U.S. a number of times, and she had been. We were seeing each other practically every other weekend as best we could. Meeting in the middle somewhere. Yeah, of you know. course. Yeah, it was long distance relationship, which was not easy. No, and, it's tough. Yeah, really and, tough. Yeah, and and now like the the irony of it all is like uh, I have everything I ever wanted, and I can't have it. If you know what I mean. And now well, it's back to that long distance relationship BS kind of. And and now I have to. It's it, it's the fights back on. I ha- I want to go back to my life. I want to go back to my wife. We're gonna I, get that happening. Yeah. So we want to know what happened, though, and then we're going to call Jack. Okay. Um, so you – so it's 2015, now 14, 15. You're doing your thing. You know, you guys are enjoying your life over there. I've never met her. Um, I guess I, I should someday. Yeah, you will. Does she, does she <laughs> you beat will. your ass? I'd love to know that. Is that? Does she beat your ass? Does she, like, <laughs> I believe she's taken – has yeah. she ever taken a, 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 a – 
gun out at you or something like that, maybe? Uh, that, huh? I, I will not, you know, what's that? I plead the fifth. Yeah, or you can do that over there. We don't have a fifth here. You can't plead anything in Canada. Everything is allowed to be known. Oh, right. You, uh, we don't have a fifth amendment. Uh, yeah, we do have a spousal privilege, though. So oh, okay, I'm, fine. I'm that, claiming spousal oh, privilege. Hey, oh, us the worst guys know about these things. Fine, <laughs> damn it. But we don't have a fifth here. We only have that in the U.S. There's only that in the U.S. Anyway, okay, so... What happened? So you were getting your card. Tell us, like, take me through the story. Like, okay, it's just so, insane. It's in the Globe and Mail. I yeah, mean, you can yeah, read this. It's not like this. it's. Uh, I, I, I give <laughs> but I want to know what from your side. What do you, like? What happened? So from my side, we kept on uh, getting uh, uh, letters of denial for my green card because uh, there wasn't a sponsorship. Um, they kept on saying there wasn't enough assets or the, that I had to find a co-sponsor that my wife didn't qualify because of the amount of children in the household and the household itself. That there's a, a certain level, of stand, uh, level that the household has to bring in in order for them to sponsor me. What are we to bring in what? Like, like income. Cookies? A level oh. of income. Okay. That's yeah. ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. So we kept getting uh, letters of denial because they weren't recognizing a Canadian income. Um, the issue was that actually we own the house in the, in the U.S. and we had more than enough assets. They wouldn't recognize your Canadian income because they just don't like us here because <laughs> our income doesn't right. count. It's, right do it's true. Well, it doesn't. I mean anyway, it's yeah. like it's like they paper. They wipe their yeah, ass They didn't with recognize our, anything. You know, uh, and some money the, in the <laughs> yeah. little charity box. Um, it came down to they, they wouldn't recognize the assets we, we had in the, uh, in the U.S., um, we had more than enough. Uh, we have more than enough, more than sufficient assets. But yeah. they kept on denying based on that. And the the only deny the only thing they kept saying to us, and three different times, was, uh, "You need a joint sponsor. You need a co-sponsor. You need uh, you need a sponsor who meets the minimum requirement for income for the household." Okay. Now. We were seeking advice from everybody: uh, our lawyer, the USCIS themselves. Um, and anyone who who knew anything about this, and we kept getting the same answer. Uh, but we, you guys are military. It doesn't make sense uh, well, to me. Yeah, no, they don't a, give a shit? Nobody no, cares. Nobody cares. Why? Yeah. How do people not care? Well, because that's the way the law works. And uh, immigration law is administrative law. It's not judicial right. law. Right. And this is something I, I learned uh, the hard way. At, okay. Okay. So anyway <clears> – <throat> Our file was a bunch of mistakes, like honestly, uh, simple, silly mistakes. Like our file would be, we'd file, we'd get a a letter saying back, you didn't sign this page. Well, I keep records of everything and copies of everything. I look at my version of that page and it's signed. I'm like, okay, so resend, refile the whole thing. thing. Then they send us a letter. This page is missing. I I look at the my file and that page is not missing. I don't know why. Eventually, I figured out. They they told me themselves. Well, we scan documents electronically, and sometimes the pages stick together. So because two pages stuck together, they denied me, and I had to refile. And each time, it's cost. And they know you're military. Well, they know all this stuff. Well, it's uh, well. This this is the point. I don't know what they know, okay. other than when I when uh, my so wife. So what happened? Let's fast forward to okay. to. The car. The reason I'm bringing this up, all of okay. this, oh, right. up, okay, is because it does play a significant role in the background. Uh, in the background, so our file, after being lost and found twice, uh, finally gets tra- uh, finally gets transferred to the National Visa Center. Yeah. Okay. It's now I'm now being treated as an applicant from outside of the U.S. versus an applicant who is inside the U.S. just trying to change his status. But I am physically inside the U.S. They know this. 
have my address as uh, in the U.S. They, I'm not hiding. I'm, you know. So I buy a vehicle, and I've done this, you know, bought in a number of vehicles in the U.S., and I'm following the, the law, and I go to um, the, what they call the BMV, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, to register it in my owner, as my ownership. And I've done this in the past. So I go in this time, and I, uh, I hand over all the um, necessary documentation, which includes my passport, which includes a letter of, uh, of action, which uh, – includes- So I asked you this. You gave them your passport. You have to. Well, I didn't to, – to get the vehicle yeah, yeah, they, to right. register, they, have, they, need the, they need to see the passport. Uh, so I, I hand, them over, uh, hand over my uh, immigration documentation and things like that, and uh, they, <coughs> the lady starts looking at it, and she goes, well, I have to call Columbus, which is the head office. I said, okay, fine, call Columbus. She calls Columbus and comes back to me, and she uh, hands me a receipt for all the documentation rather than all my documentation, and she says to me, uh, there's been um, an issue with uh, some of your documents. Um, uh, we have to resolve this, so I'm going to hold on to your uh, documents. Here's the receipt that I have them. Um, come back. Uh, you know, you can come back in a, in a little while. I'll call you when you, when everything's ready and done. You can come back get them. I look. Uh, okay. She uh, took your passport. Took my passport. Took my uh, immigration letters. Uh, took my. Uh, ev- uh, she took everything. She had the registration, the uh, title to the vehicle. She took it. You couldn't ask. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ontario government is calling me. Oh. Uh, I can't take this right now. Oh, do you want to? No. We because, don't take it on there. We just. Um, I'm getting a call from the Ontario government. <laughs> do you, ha, they're not listening to this, so don't worry. Oh, uh, well, I'm gonna de- I'm gonna decline it right now. Okay. All right. So uh, go on. Okay. So she tells me to go home. That they'll call me when everything's ready. I said okay. I think I you just home. missed the call. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's the call. You're welcome. You're welcome back. You're welcome back, Connor. Okay, go. Connor. So, yeah. Uh, I I I go. Uh, she she tells me uh, to come back. I, I go home. Fast forward three or four weeks, something like that. I get a phone call. What I, month is this? No. August Ju- through July. Okay. Yeah. Uh, through July. So um, so I'm like, okay. Um. I get a call uh, August 1st, or no, just before August 1st, uh, something like uh, three days prior or something. Just That's, close okay. to August. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just close to August. And, and basically they're, they're saying to me uh, that the man on the other uh, line, on the end of the line says, uh, come by the uh, BMV, uh, pick up your uh, title. Everything's done. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks very much. You know? Wow. And uh, hang up. Oh, and he, and he, oh, he also tells me, yeah, uh, come by uh, – uh, I said, well, what, what time? Yeah, I asked, you know, just drop yeah, it yeah. any time. He goes, oh, if you want to come like uh, Wednesday morning, 8.30 in the morning, I'll be in my office type of thing. I'm like, all right, you know. Sounds good. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And <laughs> ironically. I'd show up. Yeah. I, they have my title. They have my, yeah, my passport. Yeah, all your stuff, yeah. And this is just for a car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, this is, is ridiculous. I'm like, okay. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I'll show up. I'll pick it up. So, uh that Wednesday morning, wife and I get in uh, get in the car and uh, we drive down to the BMV and uh, we're going shopping afterwards. And uh, you know, we're she just entered a bunch of a bunch of stuff into the uh, Medina County Fair and um, you know we're <laughs> she won a bunch of awards for all her. Uh, <laughs> Do you have pigs and no chickens? And... She wants pigs, but <laughs> we have chickens. <laughs> what really? <laughs> anyway, is this so, what we were talking I... <laughs> about with Misha? You have chickens, like you raise chickens. Um, in a farm? You live on a farm? No, it's not a farm, but they're pets, yes. <laughs> so you have pet chickens? 
<laughs> my wife. What do you do with chickens as pets? <laughs> you get eggs, man. Okay, Ira. Oh, that's you a get good eggs idea. Every morning. Dr. Price. Has like five. They, what? Okay. I walk eight thirty in the morning. Okay, fine. Let's go back to this. I want to talk about chickens later, though. <laughs> I'm writing that down to remind myself. Chickens. Okay. <laughs> I walk into, what did I get myself I walk into? The, the Medina County uh, office. Medina. Maybe. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you walk into the office. Okay, we'll stay on track. Yeah. Right. And this guy looks at me and he says, oh, Mr. Furman. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, come on. Follow me into my office. Okay. And I follow him into the office. And as I walk in, there are no less than five agents standing there. What? Five ICE agents. All of them, um, you know. (laughs) um, So one of them puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, you know why you're here? Or you, you know why we're here? I'm looking at him like. No. Who the hell are you? And no. Right. And he says, you're under arrest uh, and um, uh, for uh, immigration violations. And I'm like, wait a second. No. Uh, how's that? I said, I have an open immigration case. Uh, I, I just spoke with the chief of immigration in, in, um, in Washington, D.C. less than two weeks ago, who told me that I'm not accruing any negative time and that um, there's no issues. Um, you know, my file's yeah. ongoing. Right. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, so they're like, no, uh, you're uh, you're being detained uh, and hand- searched me, handcuffed me, led me out of there. I don't understand. They okay. l- just out of the blue. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my, my – They led you out. So continue. They, they led wanna, me out. Yeah. Threw me into the back of an SUV. What? Uh, drove me uh, out of the parking lot to another parking lot, threw me into another SUV, and, and uh, drove me to their detention center in uh, Cleveland. Uh, the, the, the head office uh, or whatever, their uh, headquarters in uh, Brooklyn Heights, Cleveland. And so from there, uh, that afternoon, that, then that same agent who had arrested me came in, had a 20-minute uh, conversation with me about Sistema. Then from there, I was uh, that evening. I was moved to uh, Geauga County Jail, where uh, I was kept for the first three days in a solitary isolation confinement observation cell. However, they they call them intake cells, but they're literally isolation cells. You're by yourself under a spotlight, twenty four seven. They kept me there for three days, interviewed me three different times. The reason they the reason they uh, arrested me was due to a marijuana conviction dating back to 1992 that was pardoned that doesn't make any sense in canada or the u.s in canada okay my conviction happened in canada and i was pardoned by canada and hence why i was able to join the military um and uh they but the u.s does not recognize uh canadian pardons they the bit the bit of the Kind of, in my opinion, it's a bit of a hypocrisy where the U.S. recognizes the Canadian judicial system to do its job according to law, judiciously, properly. When convicted me, but it does not the same judicial recognize the same judicial system in having done its job properly uh, so by rules by law. How did they even me. know? Like, what the hell would? With any like they, you've been in and out of the U.S. three times, four times, five times, dozens of times. Right, you have a car flags you. You have a green. You have a green. uh, A green passport. Passport. Well, that was during the military. When you were NATO, NATO passport. When you're in the military, everything is fine. They know you're a veteran. They know you're getting veteran. You're the VAC is helping you in the U.S. You're getting veteran like um, stuff, whatever, and then all of a sudden. 
and then all of a sudden, poof. Yeah, exactly. Non-veteran um, stuff. Non-veteran stuff. <laughs> so anyway, um, it comes down to uh, to this. Uh, U.S. as a sovereign state has the right to choose what it uh, does. Yeah, but why you? Why me? I'm not special. Do you think they I, I would don't do rate, this? I don't rate the the uh, screw Furman factor. You know, something they, obviously, oh, you know? something play, obviously, something obviously like threw up a red flag somewhere. And and but it's uh, uh, buying a car is is a red flag in the states. Come on now. Well, you know? hold on. A second. What 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 threw up the red flag was when she contacted Columbus to uh, in regards to my immigration papers. Immigration papers automatically get referred to. Uh, USCIS and USCIS is an automatic referral to ICE. Oh mm-hmm. Jesus! So it's it's one and the same. It's not one and the same organization, but uh, USCIS is the administrative uh, arm of the uh, of the whole uh, immigration process, and uh, ICE is the is just a, another. Uh, it's the police force of immigration. So how did that play a factor on you having already come back from? You've already been over in Afghanistan. You're already in the military. You're already dealing with all this crap that you come back with, and then all of a sudden, you're thrown in jail for how long? Seventy-seven days. You're in jail for seventy-seven days for a cannabis um, uh, a cannabis conviction. possession conviction that you didn't even possess. Nah, it was, it, I know. It, I got it. And you can. I mean, if we don't have to talk about that, if you don't want to. Um, okay. And then you were pardoned. So what happened? You were. It was so, but so yes, they they decided that they were going to extradite me, and they classified me as uh, what is referred to as a um, an aggravated felon who has committed a crime of moral (laughs) trepidation. Yeah, that uh, no, 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 just hold on. That crime of moral trepidation was a conspiracy to traffic in a controlled substance to wit marijuana. uh, Less than an ounce. Less than an ounce. Yes, contravening the uh, the trap. The Narcotic Traffic Control Act or something so, like that. So you are uh, being looked at as uh, a drug, drug smuggler. A drug trafficker, yes. Yeah. I am being uh, – I am classified as a drug trafficker. But you, it wasn't even you. No, it wasn't you even me. You just happened to be around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> here's – okay. So you here's the – You didn't inhale. I'm going to tell you this. So the short version of it is this. I gave a ride to a guy uh, from point A to point B – during that uh, drive, he asked me to pull into uh, a gas station, uh, a Husky, and uh, uh, I waited in the car. He went inside, came back out with another guy. I didn't know at this time this other guy was an RCMP undercover narcotics agent. This was uh, Canada's war on drugs, um, and so he was the guy that had I was given a ride to. Um, he was a fr- an associate, a friend of a friend who called me and asked me to give him a drive from point A to point B. And, and at that time, this was before cell phone days, and this was winter, and uh, I thought he was a nice guy and whatever, and I just, all right, I'll, you, want, you want a ride? I'll give you a ride. I got no issues with that. So driving from point A to point B, we pull into this Husky. He goes inside, comes back out with this undercover go- uh, cop. They get into my car. The guy I was giving a ride to sells, uh, the, sells a, a bag of uh, backyard uh, cheap weed no. to uh, – uh, to the uh, to the undercover cop, the undercover cop grabs it, puts it in his pocket, puts uh, throws the money onto my shoulder. I shrug the uh, shrug my shoulder. Sh- money falls down. The cop, uh, the the guy I was giving a ride to, picks the money up, puts it into his pocket, uh, and then uh, cop gets out, uh, walks around um, my window, 
uh, taps on my window. I roll it down. He says, hey, do you know where I can buy some Coke? I looked at him. No, rolled up my window. Goodbye. And then uh, I looked at the, the guy I was giving a ride to. I'm like, what the hell was that about? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's all cool. All right. So I continued on. We drive. I drop him off where I dropped him off, and life went on. Three to four months later, I get a phone call. Um, you going to come turn yourself in, or are we going to come uh, to your work to pick you up? I'm like, okay, what is this about? Uh, this is uh, the uh, constable so-and-so with the uh, RCMP drug uh, narcotics squad, and uh, we have a warrant for your arrest for drug trafficking. Um, all right, what are you talking about? So I, I said, I'll go turn myself in. Uh, I contact the lawyer. The lawyer says, turn yourself in at the RCMP head, uh, headquarters there in uh, Saskatoon, and um, uh, they'll let you out that afternoon. I said, all right, no problem. I go turn myself in. I ask a few of the uh, Book me in, process me, ask me a bunch of questions to which my standard answer was, I don't know, because I didn't know. Um, they, they released me on my own reconnaissance. Go on. Fast forward a year where, uh, you know, through all the legal proceedings, almost a year later, I get, uh, we finally make it to trial. And uh, before trial, my, my lawyer comes to me and says, prosecution and I reach an agreement, a deal. Uh, the deal would be an $80 fine and a year peace bond. I'm like, yeah, what did I know? I'm like, sounds good to me, you know, possession. 80, it would have been $80 fine possession, not trafficking, not conspiracy, and uh, a year peace bond. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll take it. Just make it go away. Thank you very much. And so get into the courtroom. Um, uh, a judge asked how I plead. Guilty. Uh, asked for a sentencing recommendation. Uh, the prosecutor says, uh, we've reached an agreement. Uh, $80 fine, a year peace bond, you know, on, on a charge of possession. Judge says, that's too lenient. I'm going to set that aside. It's because of guys like you that my daughter's a drug addict and maxes me. You know, guilty slams the Before I have a chance to say what just happened, I'm let out in handcuffs. That's crazy. And that's it. So I spend, so nuts. I spend, uh, I, I spend uh, 28 days. Uh, when I get to the jail, they interview me and they, they, I tell them, you know, I'm just a farm boy. I grew up on a farm. And I'm like, oh, great. We got a job for you. Uh, you want to work? I'm like, yeah, better than sitting in here. I'll, I'll go work. So they sent me to an equestrian ranch and I, I fed, cleaned, uh, fed horses, cleaned stalls, cleaned horses, you know, everything. You know, frostbite. And, I and then they friends. pardoned this. Right. So hold on. Let me I'll get to that. Okay. So, 28 days later, I'm getting, I'm, uh, I'm going to bed. I'm ready to go to bed. I get called in for a, an interview. I have no idea what this is about, but they ask me a few questions. I answer the questions, and uh, then they, you know, I go away. 29th day, I wake up in the morning thinking I'm getting ready to go to work, and they tell me grab all my stuff and kick me out the door and send me on my way. Uh, three more months later, I'm, uh, I'm finished with parole, and this goes away. And right. Fast forward, uh, I don't know how many years exactly. Two thousand two. Right, but I was, I believe, bunch that, of years. A bunch You're now of in years. Hamilton. Right, uh, I was allowed to uh, apply for a pardon. So as soon as I was allowed to apply, I applied for a pardon. The pardon came through on the first application. Everything was fine. It was expunged, uh, or not? It wasn't expunged. That's an American term. I was pardoned. It was sealed and and went away. Like Done. it never happened. Right. Life went on. And then all of this came back and when you moved this to the States because the U.S. didn't exactly. recognize it. Now, Canada the Canadian military had... liked it. Not a problem for the Canadian military. No, because the, look, the Canadian military cannot hold, uh, does not hold a conviction against you for which you've not been pardoned. Right. So the question uh, during, on the application process, the, the question is, is straightforward. Have you, committed, uh, have you been convicted of a crime for which you have not been pardoned? Right. No. 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 The answer is no. Right. 
So it, it shouldn't have been a problem at all. But it, it happens that you're a military guy. They see, you know, you've got some military stuff going down and they wanted you. No? Well, yeah. Basically, okay. So well, cannabis, cannabis right now, it's such a weird time in the cannabis world. Because on one hand, the governments are all saying, use it, use it, use it. On the other hand, they say, don't use it, don't go near it, don't touch it. So we're, we're at a really strange time in the world. You know, the U.S., I'm telling you, the U.S. will is, uh, I mean, they're on the brink of, of legalizing uh, the extraction of CBD federally. Like, they're going to be doing that. Now, as long as the Republicans are still in power, it'll never be legal. Cannabis will not be legal in in federally in the United States. However, it will be federally. I, I mean, if the Democrats get back in, it'll. I think it'll certainly probably go down that route because mm-hmm. most of the states have already legalized cannabis. Yeah. So, I mean, from well, not most, but the, uh, the yeah, movement is the majority. Going. Yeah, it's, mo- it's, it's the majority of states have already legalized it, and it's you know the Republicans that are keeping that from from happening. But I'll tell you, they're legalizing for medical purposes. They will legalize it for medical purposes. I do believe they're, and they're already talking about mm-hmm. doing that. I think the federal government for medical purposes will legalize cannabis for medical purposes i do think uh, i don't think that they will do it for any other reason and cbd will just be generally legal they're already you know super close to that what's up well any hemp extracted cbd you can ship in the united states and extract legally right now from hemp but the difference so but there's a federal and there's state law when it comes to uh this is just moving away from your second we're gonna call actually you know what if you want to try calling uh jack again that would be awesome i can try that yeah, that would be great. But just um, – I'll do that right um, now. Keep going. So my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I just learned this yesterday, is <clears throat> the state law around what is considered hemp and what is not considered hemp is different than the federal right. what's considered hemp and not hemp. So the – for example, if you look at something like um, um, Charlotte's Web, which is a strain that's – supposedly from uh from hemp derived from hemp uh it if you if you grind the whole plant together and uh and which is what the uh i think it's i can't remember which one it is if it's federal law or state law that says you can use the whole plant if and it comes down to less than 0.03 percent thc it's considered hemp but if you use I think it's federal law. That is the federal. That's the federal, that law. the federal law. So then the provincial law states that you have to take different parts of the plant and taste test the different parts of the plant. Mm-hmm. And if the different parts of the plant are greater than 0.03%, then it's considered cannabis. Yep. And my understanding is that the plant itself that they use for Charlotte's Web, if you do it in one way, like grind it all together, mm-hmm. then it's considered Hemp, but if you take the different parts of it, maybe the the E. coli and like the all the whatever other parts, the calyx and all mm-hmm. this stuff, and then you put it together and you do it individually, sorry, it'll come out to greater than point zero three percent. In which case, it's not considered. For, it's just over one percent. So that's I have the lab reports on Charlotte's Web in my email. You do, eh? So then it's not hemp. Not when it's here, by the way, guys. Hi, What's that? Hi guys, how are you? Hey, Jack. Oh, I'm so glad you were able, Esquire. I'm so glad you were able to connect and get you on the phone. It's been so long that I, we've been trying, I've been trying to connect to you. Oh, uh, I'm absolutely pleased to be on. Thanks. Uh, sorry that I missed it. Uh, previous, it went long in court, but uh, I'm very pleased to be here today. 
Jack, first, before we, I want to talk, I mean, we have Dima here, Dimitri Furman, uh, the uh, military vet who was detained in uh, in jail for two months, 77 days, in the United yeah. States on, on a cannabis um, a cannabis related charge here in Canada that was pardoned in Canada back in 2002, and they still considered him a drug dealer. Trafficker. Yeah, 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 yeah. How crazy is that? That's uh, unbelievably crazy. What state were you uh, uh, in custody in? Ohio. Uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. That's awful. How, how is there, is there, Actually, before we okay, I'll get to my my questions for you later, which have nothing to do with him, but I have to do with what's happening in BC. I'm going to uh, send you some... the article that that was just circulated. I about sent it to him. I sent oh, Jack okay. the article. Okay. I thought I sent it to you. But I, anyway, I thought I I, I I recall hearing about. It's been quite hectic here, but uh, I, I do recall hearing about this uh, this situation. So, is there really no reciprocation between Canada and the U.S. when it comes to pardoning stuff like this? Uh, well, a, gra- a great many court resolutions that occur in Canada aren't recognized by the United States. So, the United States uh, doesn't recognize discharges; uh, they just recognize findings of guilt and findings of not guilt. So, the pardon in general, uh, it. It's it's not recognized by Why is uh, does that doesn't sound fair to me? It's definitely not fair. And and I guess I guess the country is able to to do whatever they want really. So is there it's certainly a, not is, bound by our laws? Wow, uh, what did he say? Certainly not bound by our laws. Right. Yes. Oh yeah. No, of course they're they're not. But I mean, it just seems so weird that we're still dealing with this cannabis. What are you finding now in the in the system? Are you know is the cannabis amnesty stuff happening? Uh, well, not as of yet. So again, the the pardons that have been made available by the liberals uh, are the the smallest of possible steps in the right direction. So uh, getting a pardon typically is a somewhat complicated and onerous process, and and that bill basically makes it slightly less complicated and slightly less onerous. So it, it doesn't do much. It just means that you don't have to pay the processing fee and uh, they speed up the process. So you don't, you can do it much more quickly, but the, the majority of people that would be seeking these pardons um, probably struggle with a host of other obstacles in their lives. So it should have been a mandatory expungement of these records. And again, the new pardons that, that they've made available really only affect people that have, have convictions for possession of cannabis in an amount under 30 grams. So it, it's not going to, yeah, so it, it's really not, uh, they, they sort of uh, paraded around as if they were uh, really helping people out. But, um, uh, it's, it's, it's really it, doing it doesn't nothing. Uh, help people. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> yes. Jack. I have a question for you. This is Dimitri, by oh, the way. Meet Dima. Dimitri Dima. Hi, Jack. Uh, I was told that if I could have this record expunged, that it would alleviate my issues. Now, my my question is this: Any lawyer that I've ever contacted has basically has never heard of this being done. Uh, Post conviction uh, relief. Uh, A.K.A. expungement hasn't hasn't heard of it being done in Canada. It's uh, expungement is almost an it is an American term. My question is simply this: 
how do I go about getting it done after I've had my pardon? Because whenever I inquire in regards to my conviction, all it, my conviction in essence doesn't exist. The file doesn't, my, like, uh, yes, the RCMP can tell me that I have been convicted once, but the, all the, everything else does not exist. So do I have a route in, uh, of any kind, any recourse, in order to obtain a complete expungement of my conviction? Or do we need amnesty, can- cannabis amnesty that's pushing towards these things? Would he even be included in something like that? Am I correct in so understanding you- that, that they don't recognize his pardon at all? Zero, Zero. at all. But yet they recognize they his charge. Correct. They recognize that a court found him guilty of something and convicted him of something. Wow. They don't recognize that the Canadian government has pardoned that behavior. So uh, you're correct as well in your analysis of expungement, and you're correct in, in your finding that there's not a route to get an expungement in Canada. So you would have to go to court. And I am contemplating a litigation of this nature in which uh, someone like yourself who suffered uh, irreparable harm that is grossly disproportionate to the uh, the, the goals sure. of uh, a, a the pardoning legislation and uh, b the criminal law itself you would go to court and essentially sue the government over this and that may well result in a change to the criminal records act that's the piece of legislation that is causing you this trouble and if you were to do that in federal court then you could get relief. So that's the only way is to sue the government. I'm in. Not a bad idea. And how much, I'm in. How much would that cost him to do, Jack? <laughs> it's a military guy. It's a military vet we're talking about, right? Yeah, so I got no money. He's hold on. He's a military. Well, we can do a GoFundMe. Like I would do. We uh, would do a fundraiser. Dude, you're a military vet who spent time in Afghanistan. Somebody should fucking pay for that. I'll put money in. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, like, I think that there's going to probably be a class action uh, dealing with this because you're not alone, one. certainly. Yeah. So uh, you could join your legal issues um, with some other people, and that would provide a great deal of, of cost saving. Uh, I, I can't give a, a price, uh, but it, it's very, it, it's very much public interest litigation. So, in the event that we were successful, and I think that we probably would be. Um, you might get all of your legal fees paid for by uh, the government if you beat them. If. <laughs> so if we if we needed to start a GoFundMe, no, we can we could do that for if because if if you join a class action, which is what it sounds like, I think you should do. Everybody would be responsible for a certain proportion. Is that how it works, Jack? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You, you, we would have a representative plaintiff and everyone else would sign on. I, I'm not sure if, if it would make the most sense to do as a class action just because each individual is so unique. So, you, you know, if you were to win, the legislation would be changed for everyone. Um, and, of course, you would get the remedy that you're seeking. So uh, uh, I would need to put a bit more thought into this uh, before I can okay. give a full answer. Yeah, but if it's something that Dimar – is this something you'd be interested in doing? Yes. I mean, it, he's right. It is irrevocable. I'm sorry. It Irrever- is <laughs> yeah, irrevocable right. damage. I mean, it comes down to is I'm, I've literally served a life sentence for having been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Around cannabis, that's legal in Canada. In Canada. 
I mean, literally, yeah. there's people who've committed murder who have done. Uh, Let's just who talk, are, even just talk about cannabis. One, it was less than an ounce. So yes. it was less than 30 grams. Yes. One, you weren't even doing it, which is why I was pardoned. Yes. <clears throat> and these are what they're pardoning anyways. So I don't – like take away murder. Take away all the other things. It's legal now, and it shouldn't be – it shouldn't have never existed in the first place. I agree with you completely. The, these the, – the, the prohibition laws on cannabis should have not ha- – right. not have existed. Right. So we're, we're in that space now. So maybe what we do is, Jack, like I mean uh, we're going to talk offline about, about this because – I mean he's a military. I wonder if the mili- – I mean the military probably – now nah, they probably won't pay for it. But uh, like well, you never know. I don't know. You got benefits from the military. We use it for, for legal. But either way, we can, fi- we, can, we can find ways to get this funded if that's something that you'd be interested in doing. It sounds like Jack is like – I mean he would have to – think about this whole thing but it sounds like it's something that is in his interest am i right i I would love to do that case yeah like that would be i i i think i think we start we we start a a fundraising and you're a military veteran dude like we're gonna get i i've like we have other military vets who are in the same position as you military vets who suffer from ptsd who's been who people who've been you know hanging by their necks Mm -hmm. and cannabis has saved their lives and I don't think this is something we should take lightly at all. And if we have somebody like Jack in our corner that, in my mind, is one of the biggest advocates and legal, like, top legal guys when it comes to dealing with cannabis advocacy, and I, I don't think we have a choice. I think it would if, – if we don't do it, I think we're doing more harm than if we do do it. What is the worst-case scenario for you, I guess, the outcome? I mean, it's, it's just going to get national attention. Well, yeah, and honestly, I'm not enjoying the uh, national attention. This, I'm, I'm a private person. I, I'd rather be living on my hobby farm with my wife and, and you know, raising chickens and things like that. Right. But um, if I have to be the, the uh, poster child for, uh, for what not to do, then I guess I will be it. And uh, if if we lead the charge and get this, I mean, if this gets me back to my to my wife and, and to my life the way the way I I've always wanted it to be, yeah, I've gone through worse. Right, I'll, I'll put up with this. I'll get I'll get through it. Yeah, so it'll get me national attention, and but now it'll get me home. Yeah, would mm-hmm. I, would it be able to get him home if that was the case? If let's say he did best case scenario win something like this. Um, but when you say get get him home, what does that back, mean? His goal is to get back to the United States where his wife is. Oh, um, the, maybe the the issue. I, I would. I, I got to be a little bit cautious. So okay. the, the answer is maybe. We'll I even know. I'm happy to have a conversation about okay. it, but um, you may also need um, to work with a, an American immigration lawyer, specifically uh, right. in Ohio. I, yeah, I do have a, a a very good immigration lawyer in Ohio, and he stated the same thing that I would have to work with a a lawyer, a criminal lawyer here, uh, in order to uh, to find a path to having my record uh, be, uh, to use for lack of a better term, expunged. So if you're if yeah. so, Dima. So if your if your if your record gets expunged, do you think that will get you back to the United States? In essence, yes. Okay, so then that's the goal. Yes. Whether, but, so, but you have. I guess what we have to do is also recognize that even if it does get expunged, in worst case scenario, they still say no because they can do whatever they want. That's true because they they have a record of this happening, and that's exactly it. 
if they were to run a background check in which they have run a background check on me, they come up with zero. Right. I have no criminal background. But the problem is this, is that uh, U.S. and Canada used to share. I don't know if they still do, but they shared uh, what's uh, on CPIC and what's on their national database as well. Back and forth. They reciprocated. Hence why um, a lot of Americans with uh, felony convictions can't enter the U.S. or can't enter Canada. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's a recipro- it's a reciprocal uh, relationship. And I don't disagree with that. Hey, I'm all for legal immigration, uh, secure right. borders. Sure. Uh, You're a military guy. So, yeah, <laughs> I get it. But uh, it comes down to this is that. It was cannabis is what it comes down to. Yeah, it was. And it makes no sense. It was cannabis. That's exactly. what we're, we've been trying to do. It's been cannabis. So I think this is something – I mean we heard it from Jack here. I think this is something we should do offline and, and we'll move forward if Dima, if that's something that you're interested in, we can make that happen. Of course, yeah. Um, Jack, can I ask you some other questions? Sure. Because so it has nothing to do with Dimitri. But I read in the paper – you know, remember we were working on a case. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it. Because, but it was in the newspaper, so I, I, I don't see why not. Um, I wrote an affidavit. Do you remember that? Can we chat about that? Yeah, absolutely. So they try at least what I read from the affidavit I gave. They tried to say that I wasn't experienced. No, that's, that the um, the journalist I think maybe misunderstood. Uh, it was a motion regarding uh, admissibility of um, expert testimony, and, and the challenge had to do largely with um, uh, there's a, a special uh, a civil procedure form that I had uh, that was that was done part of it we we had done it so quickly it was a very tight deadline as it always is with an injunction so the right. the journalist wrote an article that uh, sort of misunderstood a little bit about what was going on in court ultimately all of the evidence that it kind of worked against the uh, the the government um, the, the Department of Justice lawyers because um, they challenged the evidence. And so I, I then stood up and basically argued our case by explaining what the expert uh, witness affidavits said. So it, it ended up giving us essentially, uh, this is just a tactical uh, issue, but uh, re- uh, regardless that the, <laughs> it came in. So it's part of the judge's frame of reference for the case. What, what they challenged mostly th- you know, you, Dr. Price, works with uh, this community, and you know, y- you wrote this brilliant note saying, "No, I'm I'm not about to uh, have patients have their cannabis shipped to me because it's a great deal of responsibility I'd, I'd be taking on personally, and all the nurses and staff at my clinic would be taking on, and, and that's simply not something that I'm prepared to do as a as a doctor and I, and you know, if you can't do that, you know, uh, a doctor that's been advocating for the cannabis community for many, many years, like how in the heck do they expect a doctor that just barely even believes cannabis is medicine? How can they expect a doctor like that to accept cannabis through the mail? So that was ultimately the the core of it. And we got that argument in. So uh, the, don't, uh, don't believe the, that, uh, <laughs> All right. that article in the newspaper. I, well, I just, it was... I, I, you know, I was in the middle of my arguments, and she was trying to ask. I probably should have just stopped and explained what was going on to her, but I, I was focused mostly on getting our stuff in. 
Gotcha. So I, I should have uh, I should have been friendlier and explained sort of what actually was happening in court that day to the journalist. Yeah, no, she. I guess she cleared. Like I, I read that article and I'm like, I don't understand what what this argument. I didn't understand the argument. I guess first we should. It's like, I don't know uh, people... it's like the most boring day in court. Like admissibility <laughs> of evidence. Like only lawyers care about it. And this, this journalist that's in there writing this article about. It, I said, like, is it a slow news day? Like this is the boring part of the case. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. I find that when in in court proceedings that. Journalists show up on the most ridiculous days. It must be the slow news days, but they never end up showing up on the days that actually matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, excuse me. It was was a little bit humorous, so I was like, don't you want to be here when we're making, like, submissions on the charter? (laughs) Rather than sort of all these 400-year-old evidence rules. (laughs) Is there an outcome on that yet or no? No, no outcome yet. Okay. I mean, just for people... For people who people may not know, uh, it's about the uh, legitimacy of dispensaries staying open um, for the purpose, in my mind, which is a bridging bridging the gap, which is why I think they're okay if they have proper, you know, t- taking property quality assurance and the regulation of the dispensary model mm-hmm. makes sense because under the uh, ACMPR. Uh, your people are waiting. To how, Tyler's Tyler's here co-hosting with me. And he'll answer this because he sits there and sees it from patient. How long does it take for patients to get their cannabis once we put a prescription through sometimes? Personally, I've been waiting over a week for a shipment right now. Right. A little bit delayed because of Canada Post strike, but still, you're always waiting usually four days. Yeah, four days, one week, two weeks. And then we're at a point where, you know, we get you get called into, uh, you get called into a, a patient who's on the last three days of his or her life. Well, what are they going to do? Oh, let's go apply. And I've seen this. It actually just I've happened here. Uh, yeah, and it, it drives me mad. Stage four, you know, breast CA, breast cancer. And uh, she just pa- passed away recently. And um, and I'm, in the, I'm, I'm sitting there back and forth with a licensed producer. Uh, can you send them their cannabis? Can you send them their cannabis? Oh, yeah, they didn't yeah. have this document Yeah, signed. there's a dispensary down the road that can help her now. Right. Now, whether, you know, how we regulate those is, I think, the important factor. We need to regulate them appropriately, of course. Quality assurance and educated staff. staff. Exactly. Using even the program that we, that Tyler and I I developed, then, you know, it's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they need. But uh, at least that's the case that's being challenged. Am I right? Sort of. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. It's uh, the right for patients to access through compassion clubs, ultimately. And yeah, then there's okay. also, of course, the challenge to the bylaws as well. Okay, so that was can, the – so we're on the right page. Can I speak up as a patient? Okay. I, I've no. Known, no. I've known Jack for years, <laughs> and, and he knows my fight, um, if you want to call it that. I mean, to have the Canadian government say to us, it's okay for your doctor to prescribe this medicine, but you're only allowed to get it from this place, nowhere else, is a little bit much for me to even comprehend. I mean, I'm, I've got diabetes, I can hardly get around sometimes, and, and my brain don't function so well either. So when, it, when the Canadian government says, Al, you can go and get medicine, and you can use cannabis any way you like, and then they say, oh, wait, no, you can't. I mean, it's putting myself into a very precarious position, Ira. Sorry, I, who says? 
Who says you can't? Uh, the government says I can't by telling me the only place I can fucking go now is an LP, Ira. Okay, and they're not even medical. That's who says who can't. I, I don't understand that because there's lots of LPs, so I don't understand the question you're asking. I don't, I don't feel that I should be having to go to an LP. I should be able you to walk grow your into own a cannabis. store. That's right. I should be, but I should also be able to walk into a corner store and say, can, can you help me decide what I no, need? No. Yes, I don't I agree should. with you. Why? Because you're yeah. allowed – where I agree with you is that you have the ability to grow your own medicine and yes. treat yourself. But I don't, I don't have the means somebody or who's the uneducated has the ability to treat you. I'm I think one we of those that our... don't have a place to do that, Ira. I'm stuck in the system what? to grow okay, my you're not, own. No. So, okay, so you can't grow your own, but you have another way to access it that isn't a problem. Now, I don't uh, – people – I believe you have the ability to treat yourself. I believe other people have the right to treat themselves. I don't believe, and I'm going to put my foot down and say that somebody who's standing on the street has the ability to treat you. They do not have the knowledge to treat you. They do not have the knowledge to treat somebody who's diabetic in a dispensary. They don't have that knowledge. You may have a little bit of that knowledge, no, but you that, walk no, in no, there. Hold on. That's not what I'm saying, Ira. It's got nothing to do no, with No, you want to go buy dispenser. your cannabis. That's, I want to walk. I wanted to walk in. I want to be able to. It's legal in Canada. I want to be able to recreational or medically. I want to be able to walk into a fucking store and buy Stop what I swearing. want and leave. Put in $2, okay. please. You Well, hold on. First, <laughs> there's a difference between recreation and medical. If you're talking about you want to get high, you want to enjoy yeah, your life, you right. want to use recreational cannabis, I have no argument. Go for yeah. it. Walk into yeah. a corner store and get it. Yeah. You can do that in every province outside of Ontario pretty much. Yeah. And soon in Ontario, you'll be able to do that as well. I don't have an argument for that. You want to get high, go get high. You can do that. You want medicine. You want to use it as a medicine because it's treating something. That's you have right. to know what you're treating. The person yes. who's treating or the, the person you're going to needs to understand the condition which okay. it is treating. But and if you had, walk with, I have had. For you hear my ten, argument, though. I hear your argument. Now hear mine, please. I've had for 10 years my license, but my doctor doesn't know fuck all about treating me with cannabis. They're not like you, Ira. Okay, I have had to teach myself with the help of people like yourself and Jack with his books, because Jack's an amazing editor as well as an amazing lawyer. Okay, I have been talking with patients for 12 years almost about this. I've lost so many people who could have benefited from just walking into a store, recreational store even, and buying their medicine because they know what they need. Okay, and and so, yes, medically, I need help to figure out what medicine I should use for things like diabetes and neuro pain and things like that. But your art, but the argument that you're making to me is that you didn't have people. There are a lot of people now. I don't think the argument anymore. I think it's it was sustainable until 2000, probably even until two years ago, because up till two years ago, I was still making. Excuse me. Maybe three years ago, there was there was a few. There were very minimal, like minimal amount of physicians who would yes. prescribe it, or places to get educated, yeah. Yeah. or physicians who understood your conditions. But there are lots and lots of physicians there now. There are lots who un- now, but there's now no maybe not centers. maybe not in British Columbia or not in every other you know in other provinces. But certainly where you are, you have the potential to get treated very well 
for with the use of medical cannabis for whatever disease ailment that you you know are suffering from. We That's don't right. have to I, go I, into I, that. So, I agree but with that. that doesn't mean you should be able to go into a corner store and ask a 19 year old human who doesn't understand. You know your condition. No, I don't no, care I want, how. I mean, hold on. Let me take is, away age. I, want, I don't know why I used age. I, want I apologize. Who knows what they're talking about, Ira? And I right. don't know if you're a, a, aware of this, but the OCS store. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. The OCS store is not allowed to advise you. Well, of of anything not. cannabis related. They can't say, no. okay, that well, I've link. had a patient. I've had a patient. That's right. So there's yeah, nowhere that we can, hold on. There's nowhere that we can go medically other than the doctor's office. And Synergy right now is the only place to go for that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your confidence in Synergy and in myself. Um, medically speaking, if you're looking for medicine, then you usually go to, uh, a medical professional. That's right. Uh, and I think education over time and even, you know, as recreation, recreational cannabis, I'm not against recreational. I'm no, not no, a prohibitionist. Not. I know. But I do. I'm not a prohibitionist. And, I, and you know, if you're going to you don't go to an, a store to buy alcohol and say I need it for medical purposes. You know, sometimes you may be. You know, and, prescribed and, it. You know, we used to use it for so an that's antidote. That's why I don't have a problem with with pharmacies like Shoppers Drug Mart and Pharma Plus controlling that part of it. I don't have an issue with that because that's going to mean down the road that we're covered by our insurance. ODSP, I mean. Okay. Now, the argument I think where I think where Jack's argument makes sense is if you have a dispensary for example i look at somebody something like mmj that wants to stay in the medical that's the model that i'm kind of talking about yeah (laughs) they want to stay in the medical field but they also have to commit to having educated medical professionals who are going to uh be able to help those who are looking for their medicine for medical purposes and i think Uh, they've tried I think they've take tried. that as hold on. They just haven't had an ad, Jack is really their only avenue to try yeah. to advocate for them. Yes. And yes. so, but it's a whole long process. Is, I mean, I've seen Jack's like fight for the last, you know, five years over yeah. these kinds of, um, but you know, if, and, and so from that, that's a whole different model than recreational cannabis. What MMJ is trying to yes. do is bridge that gap for medical dispensaries. Yes. As as and 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 there's even two there's there's one sure. dispensary in Hamilton right now that is still under an injunction. Correct, Jack? Uh, well, it's an injunction relating to the the city of Hamilton bylaws. Uh, okay. But the, the, um, so there, there still hasn't been a ruling on the constitutionality of the ACMPR, and it, it's uh, from a, really? a court of inherent jurisdiction. But. Uh, Hold on a second, Jack. It, it, Is that the true? The ACMPR only, that's, that's true. So the MMPR had a ruling, and that was Allard and Smith. Yes. But uh, the ACMPR, there's been no fulsome ruling. So yeah, he has closest said a thing, has he? Far. Hold uh, on a second. Jack, can I, hold on, Jack. Can I just ask you this? So the MMAR, we know with the Allard case, is, it's the non-constitutional thing. So, um, but the uh, ACMPR. The MMPR. Yeah, the, the M- that was the... Sorry, the MMPR, my bad. You're right. The MMPR is uh was non-constitutional. That's the Allard case. So you're telling me there's a constitutional challenge on the ACMPR as well? Uh oh, there's hundreds of them. Uh but a ruling hasn't uh, come forth as of yet. So does it so right. So people are still even with legalization, those that fell under the MMAR are still under the injunction? The Allard injunction, yes, that yes. still continues. 
it still continues. So it didn't end. Oh, that's actually good to know. I thought it was uh, as I picked my do they uh, as I uh, I thought that with legalization that was going to change, but I it think has the not. The government changed. would want you to think that. Yeah, no, I know, but hold on. So Jack, you can tell. So it hasn't changed yet, and and those. This is important information because we need to tell patients that. So yes. those, and we have a lot of patients who are under the alert injunction of the MMAR. I um, myself. Those who are still part of the MMAR or self-growing met all the criteria for the Allard case should still continue to maintain their or still fall under that injunction because there's no ruling yet on the ACMPR. Here, here. Uh, I'm I'm here. <laughs> that was uh, that was more than a mouthful. The so, whole. I'm sorry. Um, so let me that, let me make okay. it simple. Those uh, so simplify. Those who fall under the MMAR Allard injunction are still held valid even under legalization today. But the cops don't yes. know that. They yes. don't care because they, they only see uh, invalid because it's okay. expired. Okay, but I'm just talking the law right now. Okay. The law is, as Jack just said, the answer is yes. So we need to educate our people that the injunction still holds valid. Uh, yes, so it, it's still in force. Okay, that's really good to know. Well, um, that actually is really helpful. Jack, I really wanted to thank you. We're going to uh, – I'm going to connect uh, Dimitri and you and myself, and we're going to figure out how to get this funded so that we can take this challenge on. Okay, very exciting. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to hear and learn more. I, I just um, – I have to run now. So yes. uh, this has been uh, really fun to participate. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I look so forward much. to hearing some more um, about all these interesting issues, and, and maybe we can – you know, stick it to the government for these unfair laws yes. uh, and um, and reform the Criminal Records Act in a sensible way. I agree. I love it. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much, Jack. Always a Thanks, pleasure. Jack. Thank you. Cheers, guys. All right, guys. Um, I think uh, our time is up here. It's it's 4.30. We, uh, hey, Al, we wanted to take a break. We didn't need it. No, we, we didn't uh, need it at all. This, no. this, this, was, this was super enlightening. Honestly, people, uh, if in, in, in just the last moments, I'll just take a moment to, uh, one, thank Dimitri for coming and sharing his story, not only for yourself, but for the other veterans who are out there who are suffering, for the other people who have been wrongfully convicted, those who have been pardoned, and those who are trying to you know, make a life for themselves post, post-military. Yeah, go ahead. And I actually want to uh, wrap this up on my end as well by saying thank you to all of those in my uh, – uh, friends, uh, my community, uh, the people that uh, went and uh, went above and beyond everything I ever could have expected uh, and had done so much to get me out. I am forever grateful uh, for your support and your community activism. It just made me realize how truly connected I was uh, to where I was, and I want to be back with you. Thank you again for all to all of you for all of you've done. Thanks. I mean, I think that that sums it up. If you want to get involved and help uh, and donate to this amazing cause, well, let's just like right. You can just you know email me directly um, at, uh, at at Synergy, I guess Ira at SynergyHealthServices.ca or Tyler at health, SynergyHealthServices.ca or connect through uh, Instagram. Um, I'm putting it all under Dr. IRA now uh, instead of Synergy. So follow 
doctor underscore Ira dot R dot A. Ira, doc, Ira underscore Ira, Dr. Dr. Ira, Ira, whatever the hell it is, Dr. Ira. I'll, I'll put a link in, in, the, uh, in the thing. And we're going to start, we're going to figure out a way to fund this so that we can, we can, we can change these crazy laws. Thanks everybody for uh, an thank awesome you. episode. Tyler, thank yes. you. Thank you. Any last words? Anything happening at Synergy? Uh, right now we're getting ready to start possibly doing some grow classes in right. the future that I'll be teaching with my partner Cole. Yep. Um, those will be coming hopefully within the next month and okay. then more cooking classes coming in January, of course. Love it. Perfect. So stay tuned, stay in touch. We didn't swear all that much and, uh, stay safe. Bye everyone. <laughs> See you soon. You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio.